And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I discuss the Sixers offseason moves so far, from the additions of George Yang and Andre Drummond, the contracts that Furkan Korkmaz and Danny Green received, and also where this leaves the Sixers positioned for the rest of the offseason. We don't focus on the Summer League in this podcast. We have plenty to talk about in this one without that, so we will discuss the Sixers Summer League performances in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? We'll start it off with there. We got a lot to cover. We'll try to get through this quickly, not make this too long and drawn out, but how you doing? Always got to start there. I'm okay, man. It's been a uh, it's been a fairly quiet week of free agency. It has. it has, and I think that has left a lot of people a little panicky. You know, I think a lot of people see the writing on the wall with Ben Simmons. Want that situation resolved? Saw so a lot of teams making a lot of moves, including some contenders uh, like the Heat. Uh, even Brooklyn keeps adding veterans to the roster. It seems like the Sixers, by and large, haven't done a whole lot. They brought back. Danny Green and Furkan Korkmaz, both of them, to what I would argue, are fair contracts that are probably tradable uh, pretty easily if they need to include them in any kind of a hypothetical deal, not 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 bringing up any particulars. But I think they're, they're both on at least positive or neutral value contracts. Uh, Furkan Korkmaz, three years, 15 millions, million. Uh, Danny Green, uh, two years, 20 million. Both fair, I think. You know, I think when we were talking about Danny, we were talking about uh, the full non-taxpayer mid-level, which would have been a starting salary of nine. So it's basically what he got. A uh, two-year deal. The years were important. Furkan, I think, got less than what I was expecting. All great. Bring back, uh, bring back the sign, uh, George Yang. Bring him in for a two-year, 6.7 million contract. Uh, and then bring in Andre Drummond, which is probably the most controversial of all the moves that they've made to a one-year minimum salary contract. I guess what I would look at, I think, I think the George signing is... Um, very good. I think he is a good role player. He's not going to wow you. He's probably one of the better spot-up shooters in the league for a guy who can defend the power forward spot. That's really all he can defend is a power forward spot. Does not offer rim protection. Does not move his feet well laterally. He's going to be a standstill, catch-and-shoot, power forward, who can give you a little bit of rebounding and a little bit... I think he's actually a little bit of a decent passer and a decision maker with a tiny bit of creativity. He was in college for he sure. Certainly was in college. Hasn't shown that a ton in the NBA because quite frankly he can't move, so it's hard for him to really create positive uh passing lanes out of that. But if somebody if he if he is the four if he needs to make the fourth pass to a cutter, he will make that pass. So that's what he is giving you. You know, I think that is a solid a solid upgrade to a marginal role is sort of like the way I would describe it. I think that's a pretty significant upgrade over Mike Scott in that role. It's not the largest role on the team. It's not going to wow you, but I think it is a solid addition. So that, along with the the rookies that the Sixers drafted, is sort of where they stand right now. I think right now is sort of the key. 
because I think this is where the real Sixers offseason begins. But before we get there, I guess just your overall quick thoughts on the moves that they have currently made. No, I think I think you summed it up well. I think it was uh, it was kind of the most boring offseason that they could have. They did all of the basic moves, right? They they had their their two best free agents, or or certainly their two, I guess, most in demand free agents were Danny Green and Furkan Korkmaz. Resign them to, like you said, fair salaries, nothing crazy. But certainly they made an effort to want to bring those two guys back above everybody else. Um, so that's that's number one. Danny Green, you have your your starting 3 and D guy back. Seemed like it was a tough market for him. He wasn't yeah. going to get paid I that think, much more. I think that left a lot of people anxious at the beginning because he was testing the market. And a lot of people were, well, you can't even bring back Danny Green. Well, I think they waited out the market. His options dwindled. Uh, they got him on less of a contract than he was originally asking for, which was a right play, I think. Right play. And um, yeah, I, I think that was, they, they did a good job seeing what the market would be like for him and, and being patient and all that good stuff. And then, then they get him back and Danny's already uh, smiling and shaking Daryl yeah. Morey's hand for a, so that's, that seemed like they did a good job there. I think a I think, lot of people read it as Danny hates Philadelphia or Danny wants off the team. And maybe Danny had other preferences he would have preferred to play for, but I think Danny wanted the best contract he could get in the right situation. So I think there was a a gap in his initial asking price. He wants to win too. Yeah. And so this, I mean, it, it really was just the, the logical solution that he would be back in Philadelphia. So that's one. Then you have Cork, who I think we had said on the pod, you know, if, if you were to give him a contract, giving him like a three-year contract would not be a terrible thing considering his age. If you wanted to bet on Cork and Cork being an NBA player for, you know, the next seven, eight years going into his 30s, giving him a three-year deal at, at five per, that's, I think that's a very good deal. And again, like Cork's not changing the Sixers' fortunes by any means, yes. but good guy to have around on the bench, can make threes, and, you know, maybe he gets a little bit better too. Like I'm not, uh, not ruling that out. Now, again, I, I still think his improvement level getting a little better is still not changing the Sixers' fortunes. But no, of course not. Could he, could he be a little bit more of a consistent uh, gunner off the bench? Yeah, I, I think that's possible. He's and like 20, he's 24, 24 years old. Yeah. And I think a lot of people look at him, well, he's got these flaws. I don't know if he can play in the playoffs. He's streaky. And I think, I think people, fans will always look any shooter that isn't a complete player, isn't a versatile scorer, isn't a star, quite frankly, because if you're a shooter who can also do a lot of stuff off the dribble and off a of pick and roll, you're probably a star. I think people will always look at shooters as streaky because shooting is streaky and you'll they'll frustrate you. Uh, look, is Furkan a perfect player? No. You can call say that's a good contract while also acknowledging his flaws. Like if it it's was fine. if he yeah. didn't have those flaws, again, nine, ten million dollars is the average NBA salary. So if you're getting someone for half that, you're not getting someone you're projecting as a starter. You're not getting someone you're even really projecting as a top seven or eight in your rotation. You're getting a flawed player who will eat up some minutes, be useful in the right situations, in the right lineups against the right opponents. You're not getting a perfect player for five million. And also you couldn't go out and get like, say, well, they should have tried to replace him with somebody else. Well, you really can't because you've got his bird rights. Because that would, and yeah. You and only have one mid-level, so. Would have dug into the mid-level yeah. for sure. Um. Yeah, and so it just it logically made sense. Now I do think for him the worry would have been a team like Cleveland or somebody 
sure. a team that is younger that maybe believes in him a little bit and still just believes in him as a bench guy or something like that, maybe a fringe starter. Um, and that they paid him to kind of grow with that their core group of players. But again, good, good signing. The uh, the George Hill one was a little bit surprising. Yeah. I think we might have misread that one a little bit. Uh, it, it, to me, it's clear they just they didn't want to pay that luxury tax, uh, and they whatever they saw in Hill's contract, they didn't think you know having him as a tradable asset there uh, was worth it at that salary. And uh, yeah, yeah, and I I think there is so like with the way they structured uh, the Niang contract. Theoretically, if they found someone with the mid-level, they could have then put Yang. Because when you when you agree to these terms, you don't actually sign a contract right away. So if they would have found someone in the next coming days that they thought, hey, this person is worth the full uh, non-taxpayer mid-level, uh, they could have structured Yang so he was in that biannual exception. Uh, so I think by releasing Hill, because remember, you had to decide on Hill's contract uh, option before. Like I think it was a day into free agency. Mm -hmm. uh, you had to decide on that, guarantee that, uh, pretty early on. I think they wanted just a little more flexibility under the apron if the apron ever actually became a hard tax or hard cap, and it didn't. But I think they looked at it, and I think you're right. Paying the luxury tax on his contract, not worth it. Potentially, even if it's only a 10% chance to become hard capped, having that contract get in the way, not worth it. Uh, I think because of the timing of it and the guaranteed nature of it, would they have probably liked to have kept that around as a trade chip? Yeah, probably. But they do also still have that $8.2 million Al Horford trade exception. They can recoup some trade assets, some tradable contracts back with that. And not and a key with that not only is that you can get trade that $8.2 for an $8.2 million salary, but you can split that up into multiple salaries. So if they find two $4 million contracts that are expiring that they want to use to potentially aggregate in a trade, they can do that. So I think there are ways to go that you don't need George Hill. But yeah, I was a little surprised uh, just because I thought that was a potential trade chip for sure. Well, and, and I don't want to get too much into recriminations here but that was not a great trade <laughs> that was a swing and a miss yeah he just he never looked like the same player he was before the injury he never looked like he came fully back and maybe he's just old at this point that could be too uh, and yeah and then to not get anything for him on the way out which i think was at least at the time was part of the reason they signed him. It was like, Hey, this guy's under contract. Like if we want him next year, we can just bring him back or we yeah. can trade him or whatever. And they just didn't do it. And yep. uh, so I think you can look at that trade as that swing and yeah. miss on the first deadline for sure. Yeah. Not, sure. not a good one. Not a good one for sure. Um, and now he's, he's on to Milwaukee. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And then, okay, so then you have those three guys. You have your, your two obvious free agents in Green and Cork to bring back. Green was kind of the, the iffy one, you know, or I'm sorry, not Green. Hill was the iffy decision. Or are we going to bring this, this guy back? 
Then you have the two members of your bench in the front court that it was kind of obvious that you should move on from him. I, I know Dwight initially we were like, eh, is Doc going to want to bring him back? But you have Mike Scott and you have Dwight who just shouldn't have been back. Are we and, and are so, we ready right now to say that we're worried that Andre Drummond is going to be the new Montrez Harrell? Sure. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> no sure. And that, that, that was the point I was going to make. It was it was remarkable how much they went for a like for like. Yeah. You have replacement in both of those guys. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, Niang is much better than Mike Scott at this point because Mike Scott just can't make shots anymore. Yeah. So, but like you said, like Niang, I, again, I, I do agree with you. Like he's got a little bit more playmaking juice. Like he's just younger too. Uh, so uh, he could definitely do a few more things than Mike Scott. But that role is stretch for bomber, and that is why George Niang is better than yeah. Mike Scott. Mike Scott couldn't fill that role last year. Niang is a better version, but not like a uh, no. He's a not super he, versatile one. Absolutely or not. Like but that. you have a reasonable degree. Hmm. It feels like it's going to go in either one of two directions. Either he's going to completely forget how to shoot. Always a possibility. You never want to discount it in this town. Or he's going to make 42% of his threes on pretty high volume. And by pretty high volume, I mean both per minute and, and percentage of his shots. Like he will let him fly. And on a team that doesn't really let him fly, bringing back Danny Green, bringing back Furkan Korkmaz, adding Niang, uh, those are, you, you need some bombers and they have some people who will just let it fly. And, and that's good. That's good. The, the more I, I looked at his numbers throughout the years, I, that's a good sighting. The, he shoots it pretty consistently with a lot of volume. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at it now. His, uh, his past three years, he has shot a combined 41% from three on 8.6 attempts per 36 minutes. That's, you know, he's, he's pretty consistently good. And to be fair, he's playing for a Utah team that spaces the floor really well. I thought it was... Mm-hmm. Pretty funny when he said uh, Joel Embiid is the first big man who like draws double teams, and I think while that's true, and you know if a Sixers fan wants to make fun of Gobert for that, that's fine. He also played in a very healthy, I think, offensive ecosystem in Utah. You you use that that, spread pick and roll with a big rolling the basket. You'll draw attention too. You don't have to do it straight from a post up. Yeah. So uh, I I thought uh, I thought that was funny, but also not that true like i think (laughs) the idea that he was playing for like a a team that was bad for a shooter that's not true he he's in a good spot and i mean notable you know the sixers do not currently and this will probably be a big portion of the second half of this podcast the sixers do not currently have a guard who's a threat off the pick and roll where Embiid could be that role man and attract attention in that way uh so we'll see if they we'll see if they can address that uh that need tyrese maxey He's not a threat. Uh, sure, but he needs to grow as a shooter off the drip. But sure, he he hopefully will be. Okay, so so then you have Niang. Look, I was just trying to get a fucking Dame Lillard tease in there. All right, let me go. Let me go. All right, the people know. People know <laughs> that's coming. So then you have him, and then, yeah, like you said, the most controversial one is Drummond, but, I mean, that's a like-for-like replacement for Dwight when you think of it it is it is funny though Daryl went from no centers in Houston to like we have to get the most traditional outdated center two years in a row (laughs) well he even said it at the Springer press conference he's like look behind Joel we We need guys who can either switch or shoot threes and then he signs fucking Andre Drummond which like no no he can't do any of that (laughs) shit no uh so it's it's gotta be just in his ear like 
I need a big guy. I need a big guy to protect the rim. Give me a rebounder. It's got to be, right? I would not be surprised if it was, for sure. Uh, and and Daryl's like, look, I don't want to invest a ton of resources in the center position anyway. You can get these guys for cheap on the minimum. Here you go. The problem is when you give Doc that tool, he will use that tool. And the Sixers right now, unless B-Ball Paul shows he's ready, do not have an alternate to use. That is my biggest concern. I'd, be, I'd love to be able to say, like, look, because here's the thing, right? So theoretically, because... You know, Dwight Howard had sort of like accepted his role in the NBA when the Sixers signed him, which was was good, but you should get some motivation from Andre Drummond who wants to rehabilitate his career. The problem is when Andre Drummond wants to rehabilitate his career, my concern is he's going to try to do way too much offensively. Dribble handoffs from hell, trying to dribble from the perimeter, just stuff that he should in no way be doing because he wants to make an impression. He wants to put up numbers. That is my biggest concern with Andre Drummond in this role, besides the fact that he can't shoot or switch, or defend the perimeter, or really, he's, back in his Detroit days, he was one of the most overrated defenders on the planet. (laughs) He is not a good defender. He's really a rebounder, who has a little, he can finish a little bit inside because he's big, and that's all you're really getting. And if he stays in that role, and the Sixers are willing to cut bait if they need to, fine, it's a minimum contract. My concern is the Sixers can't cut bait, because they don't have a viable option, and they're, they're, I think because Daryl is so focused on I'm not investing resources in this position, they're going to be left in the center or in the in the playoffs without a real playable option again. Yeah, it's a uh, you laid out the concerns pretty pretty well there. He he always struck me as a uh, he's a starting level center, but on a bad team. Yeah, and in a, a, a league that's not doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, and it's it's different though. Like I, I do think when Joel is out, like having Andre Drummond over Dwight is is better. Like he's he's you can more capable. Scale him up better, yeah. Yep. And he's probably not going to foul people every second time down the floor no, too. Like I, I think he can. But... Yeah, um, this is, this is good. He's already going to frustrate you, but I, I do I do agree with you in that like. Being a backup center requires a different level of focus, right? Like it, there needs to be an acceptance of just doing, and and this is where Dwight did pretty well. Like he had accepted his role was to just do dirty work, was to right. rebound, was to you know roll to the rim and do all this stuff. Now and we also beat that wrong. beat the hell out of people too in the Dwight middle. Dwight would but. make his mistakes, but they were more like, could you stop with the you know offensive fouls could you stop fouling from 80 feet from the basket like it's those kind of mistakes drummond will have similar mistakes but very different in that it'll i think be trying to do too much offensively and also just not making the right rotations okay so that said though to get andre drummond at the minimum is not terrible like the if he does accept his role i mean first off that guy is an amazing rebounder on both ends of the floor amazing He's going to give them, like, look, even if he accepts his role and turns into more of a traditional backup center who wants to do dirty work, which is what he promised at his press conference. That doesn't mean anything, by the way. Just just pointing that out there. Um, he's certainly got a lot more skill than Dwight does sure. in terms of, like, finishing around the basket. So that'll be interesting. But, yeah, the the idea of uh, of him adjusting to the backup center role. And, I mean, he, he does have some shot blocking ability as well. Like you said, he, he was he's an big. overrated. He was an over and he's, 
I don't want to say he's immobile either, too. Like he, you don't want him switching on on big guys. But I think in like short spaces, he does a decent job in terms of like protecting the rim. Like he's he's not uh he's not his feet aren't cemented into the ground. Right. I don't yeah, think. I agree. I agree. Okay, so those those are kind of the qualities of him. And look, if if he applies his uh, his skill set into doing the normal backup big man things, I think it could work out. But you know, there is a question of of if he wants to do more and and all of these things. I mean, it was interesting that he picked the Sixers. I figure a yeah. decent amount of teams would want a sniff of him as like a backup center. Like, I, I don't think I feel like there there'd be some competition for that uh, that contract. I, you know, maybe the the whole Lakers experience that he had when you know he signed as like this buyout guy, and there was like you know the in in march or april whenever the hell that was you know there's not a lot of stuff going on in the nba so there was a lot of buzz about oh who's going to get andre drummond oh it's the lakers wow this could be a huge signing uh no not really um so it it is you know when i look at that signing i'm thinking like eh would i have rather had somebody like i don't know like a jeff green or somebody who maybe could have played those 4 minutes plus giving you the small ball five minutes like or something like that. I think there might have been a creative solution available there. But to be, and I will say like in fairness to Maury and in fairness to Rivers, when you were shopping in the minimum contract versus taxpayer mid-level bucket, the options are a bit limited. And like signing Jeff Green would have, you know, to match that Denver contract, you would have had to have used your whole taxpayer mid-level yeah look i think uh, i think it's very clear daryl morey doesn't want to invest significant resources in the backup center spot uh and that includes the the the, certainly the full mid-level where that would hard cap them they don't want to be hard cap uh that would include you know i think i think he views i can address this with minimum contracts and second round picks okay look i don't have a problem with andre drummond if you have a viable alternative so i think you're really putting a lot of onus on uh, B-Ball Paul to develop, Charles it, Bassey to be ready earlier than expected, or being able to acquire someone in season, which we saw last year, isn't a guarantee. I would be much more confident, much more comfortable with Drummond if they had a, a an option right now that was viable that I was I was confident in right now. There, that's there my biggest... Be a, oh, hold on. Sorry. No, uh, I was just saying that's that's my real holdup with the contract. Like the, it is, It's a minimum contract. You can't get too upset with it. I am just concerned about the lack of options around him. You said, you know, if that's Doc and Daryl's ear saying, hey, we want to play big. There, if if that happened, Maury should have given him a mandate. Okay, then Paul Reed plays like X amount of minutes and you try that. Yeah. Because and I don't care if he airballs threes and I don't care if he looks lost for a little bit. Like, you got to try that this year. If they are willing to give B-Ball Paul an actual chance and, and experiment a little bit, I like this move a little bit better. It gives yeah. him a different style. Um I was going to make one more point, but I, I guess we do have to get to the, uh, I mean, there is a lot of humor in the fact that Andre Drummond is now a Philadelphia it's 76er. Fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. There, um, I, I mean, there was, I, I guess between him and Whiteside, those were the two people that Embiid enjoyed kicking their ass more than anybody yes. in the league. And look, he, I don't know. I don't think Embiid probably has anything personal against Andre Drummond. I think he probably took it personally that people pretended they were in the same tier of players. And that's probably why he was so adamant against beating the shit out of Andre Drummond. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. He uh, he always loved like beating. This was in his earlier years. Now he just he pretty much kills everybody now. So yeah. and he's. I, I I would say he probably talks a little bit less trash. Like well, honestly, less, like I'm, yeah. I'm thinking like the fights he's picking this year. Like he was picking he was picking fights with like LeBron and like he he moved up uh, yeah. a few tiers when it came with that stuff. But in his early years, <laughs> he was such a bully, man. He just like he liked picking on these centers who just even at that point had no shot against. Yeah, them, it was it was the centers who were overrated by by the casual fans um, <laughs> who thought probably themselves that they were in Embiid's tier who Embiid wanted to very clearly show the pecking order. Um, and, and now it's, I mean, Andre Drummond's on a minimum contract and Joel Embiid is waiting to sign his supermax. Uh, they've gone in different directions for sure. And they were in different places at that point, but yeah, it was the overrated ones he picked on. It is funny. It is funny. Did you see the video that the, uh, the Sixers put out there? I did not. I did not. He like, it's like Drummond, Walking into the practice facility, and Embiid's in that back room working on the weights, and then they uh, they shake hands with each other, and Embiid gives like a wry smile. Like. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's, it's very it, humorous. It's very well, humorous. and I think if Drummond plays well, like I think Embiid will get behind him. You know, a hundred percent. Like, like I thought Embiid. Some of the most excited he got last year when he was on the bench was when when Dwight was like on one and was playing well, and you know throwing down a couple dunks and getting a couple blocks. He was pretty excited about that. So I, I have no, um, especially with Drummond on a minimum contract, like I have no qualms of like that being a, uh, you know, like a bad locker room situation. I don't think that's going to be the case. No. That that said, I, I do think when Embiid shook his hand, there was a little bit of awkwardness like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Uh, remember when I used to kill you all the time? And and then tweet about how much you sucked afterwards. Yes. And yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. That that was very funny. So the the last point I wanted to make, though, is 
you know, as we said earlier, Andre Drummond, he does not shoot threes. Doesn't shoot threes like Dwight either. Uh, you know, we're six are going to be missing that floor spacing presence when they're, uh, when they're up or down 25 points. Um, and he doesn't switch either. And on the one hand, I think you want that type of player just to have some stylistic diversity, right? Yep. Like even in a vacuum, like you just want something that's a little bit different than Embiid that you could throw at other players. On the other hand, it's very context dependent. And you have a player on your roster that when you say you can't shoot threes or switch, you were saying Ben Simmons can't play one minute with this guy. Oh, if, he can't. Absolutely. I'm, I'm kind of yada yada because I, I really don't expect Ben Simmons to be on the on the roster. Uh, that was the, the point season. I'm about to make. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that if that would happen, that would be just uh, you talk about bad to watch. I can't I can't do that. I can't do that another season watching Ben with Matisse and a non shooting big. I can't I can't I'll lose my mind. I can't do it. Can't do it. You're right. So and I guess the point that I was trying to make there is that. Every move, and by the way, I can't even imagine how bad Drummond oh. and Simmons would be offensively. Oh. We would find out if you could score negative points on <laughs> offense if that if that duo was there. And by the way, it's amazing how quickly, like even like national people pointed out, like, oh man, that would be just a horrible <laughs> yeah. fit. And it's it's funny too because like you could theoretically like, yeah, it wouldn't be optimal, but you could just do the same sub pattern that you did this past year where you play Simmons and Embiid together a lot and Drummond with the second unit and whatever. But like you said. Every one of these moves screams, we are keeping the powder dry. We are are running last year's team back, essentially. We're not worried about, you know, the the spacing of Andre Drummond. And and every one of these moves screams, we have a trade to make of Ben Simmons in the following weeks, months, whatever. So the day before the draft, I wrote an article uh, that, Every move the Sixers make has to answer one very key question, and that is how does it position them for the eventual pursuit of Damian Lillard? And now that we're sitting here with the draft in the rearview mirror, first week of free agency out, the only thing I truly think about is how are the Sixers positioned for the eventual pursuit of Damian Lillard? And I think when you look at it, and you look at what are the odds that he will ask out of Portland, they have to have gone up. Tony Snell and which Zeller did they sign? I don't know, Cody Zeller. Cody uh, Zeller. Get all good, of them. Good contract. Sure, whatever. That is not. You don't want. You don't want to play with Cody Zeller, Dan. Come on. That is not going to change his opinion. And look, this is a guy well, who, who at the start of of the Olympic training camp said coaching change enough isn't coaching change is enough to get them to an NBA contender. So you look at that, and. You know, Portland never had the resources or really yeah. the ability to attract a free agent. They were never going to make a big splash in that regard. We'll see what moves we're going to make. Wait, they couldn't do anything. Neil O'Shea is on the clock. He has to pull off a trade, but they really don't have that many tradable assets anyway. The odds of Damian Lillard requesting a trade, and this is just speculation, have to have gone up. Also, when you look at who were the targets, the potential teams that would trade for Damian Lillard coming into the offseason, you had the Knicks in part because of Madison Square Garden and in part because they had the cap space to potentially uh, pull in a star to play alongside of Lillard. Well, they spent their money. They got, you know, they brought back Nerlens and brought in Evan Fournier and brought back Alec Burks and brought back of, Derek Rose and added Kemba like, Walker. 
Yeah, a lot of, and the Kemba one is exciting. I, I don't expect him to be in that trade, but um, a lot of like average contracts for the yeah. Knicks. Not, uh, not great value. Not not horrible value oh, either. No. They those, got some. They got some options on when, the end. When those it. contracts can be traded, um, they're not negative value per se. But they're also but, like part of the allure of New York would have been bringing in Damian Lillard's co-star and friend to play with. They don't really have that right now. That allure no. is used up. Then you, the other one of the other primary teams was Miami. Well, they they're out. Traded yeah. for a point guard. Uh, they're hard capped. They have almost impossible to match a sal- Dame's like forty four million dollars salary. They're pretty no, they're much out. out. Cross them off. Unless they're willing to trade like Bam, but I don't think they're going to trade Bam. They're not going to trade Bam. No. So. Those two major contenders have, at the very least, a significantly decreased odds of being able to acquire Dame. The one that I still worry about a little bit is his hometown, uh, Golden State Warriors, or across the bay from his hometown. Uh, If he wants to just go and win a title in his hometown, that's always a threat that's always there. But the way I would phrase it, and look, maybe he doesn't. Like, maybe he views Joel Embiid, um, you know, he can have more of a legacy winning it with the Sixers. The Sixers... Does he want to play with Steph too? It I mean, that... didn't really do a whole lot for KD's legacy, Ed. but who knows? Who knows? Who knows if he, how much he cares about his legacy? How much he just wants to win? KD, how much he wants KD to go home? KD doesn't need the ball like Dame does, though. Man. No, no. Uh, look, it, it's it, it. You never know what's going through these. That, I think no, the that's six... not a knock on Steph. That's more of a knock on Dame. Is sure, what I'm saying for sure. <laughs> um, the Sixers' odds. The six positioning for the eventual. And I think I really do think it is eventual. I don't know if that's going to be in the next two weeks, the next two months, or the next 12 months. The Sixers positioning for the eventual Dame sweepstakes, I think has increased pretty dramatically. What does that mean? Does that go from like, I think I, I wrote an article, uh, just filed an article. I think I said like 15% to 40% chance of landing Dame. That might be overstating it. That might be somewhere in the ballpark. I don't know. I just threw out a number, but I think it's a significant increase. And I think the offseason so far has been good for the Sixers. I really do. And, and look, even in that hypothetical, that still means a 60% chance you're going, well, fuck, where do we go from now? I don't know our path to being a champion. That's, that's a sort lot. of like the, that's sort of the dance you play when you're trying to bring in a superstar. I think the Sixers have pretty substantially and material increased their chances of landing Dame Lillard. I think the Sixers are very focused on Dame Lillard. That is... Uh, what could that, have given that away? Yeah, well, uh, Daryl's entire history running a, a team... I think they also they also did the uh, the hire the the coach, oh, the coach yeah move. sure and look that happened um, with Kevin Durant a long time ago Sam Hinkie brought in Todd Wright uh, worked with him at Texas that's not a guarantee I think people overstate that at times the intention might be clear the impact I think is overstated a lot well and the and the funny thing is Todd Wright just turned into like a pretty good strength coach right, for them too right. you know what I mean like and I think that the same thing with this Phil Beckner guy who's like. You know, they're not hiring, you know, complete jabronis here. Right. Like these guys, like they're very qualified skill coaches and all that they're stuff. They're not yeah. hiring Liam Simmons. They're hiring people that oh. they believe in as oh. coaches uh, who also happen to have a connection to Dame. Yeah. Wow. Pull one up there. Threw it down. I, I didn't even know what I was throwing <laughs> up there. Um, no, no, it's, it, I, I agree with you. It's funny, though, that they've just done this all by staying patient. And it, it's clear Dame Lillard is where their head is at. I, I guess the, the question is just, you know, I, I don't know what it looks like on Portland's end right now. Sure. You know, what what does it look like? You know, I think I heard Chris Haynes 
mention like earlier this week that he thinks Dame is going to give it a shot to start this season. He might. Um, he might. And coming from Chris Haynes, that's I think that's a pretty good source on on all things uh, all things Dame. And obviously Dame is under under contract for a while. I you know we'll see. I mean you're right though. He he gave the Blazers this. All right, let's see you make some moves while they clearly like didn't have any moves to make. They had very little flexibility and they, they haven't gotten better in uh in those terms. So I like look, the, the most important part of this for the Sixers is just Dame saying, not only do I want to leave, because he's got to do that first. He still feels like the the guy who doesn't want to break up with the sure. with the girlfriend, even though he's kind of divorce out of is the, tough, hundred percent. Yep. Out of the relationship, doesn't want to be the the so called bad guy with it working. Um, that's part of it, and then he also has to say like, "Hey, the Sixers are one of the places I want to I want to go." Yep. Um, and I I don't think that's that part isn't crazy to me once he gets past that first step because they just seem like a logical place if he values you know being a having a similar role that he had in Portland and winning and competing for titles and all of those things. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, no, like, look, it is absolutely clear. This is where their their focus is, and this is what the uh, the off season will come down to. Like, I think all the moves we talked about, great, they're fine. You're, you're basically running last year's team back. I think you're essentially saying it's it's a little tough to Ben Simmons. You're telling Ben Simmons, hey, like, we think you were the problem. You know, like if we run last year's team back and we can really upgrade your spot. We, we might be kind of set here uh, with with the team. And it's just, you know, it, it all, it, we said this before the offseason, it all comes down to the Simmons trade. And to me, the uh, the Lillard version of that, which probably includes giving up more stuff than, than some oh, of sure. these other yep. trades, is the uh, is the best outcome here. The, uh, the biggest threat in all of this is Rich Paul and the pressure he can exert. Uh, the biggest threat is that Rich Paul and Ben Simmons Dictate the action before Dame Lillard comes to his conclusion. Because then you're sort of left at a point where, okay, well, do you pursue a trade which will give the Sixers a better chance of competing for a title this year, but might not be what Portland is looking for in a future Dame trade? Or do you pursue assets you think will help you complete a Dame trade, but might not help you, you know, compete for a title this year? I think in a perfect world, you wait and you see, you know, when Dame becomes available or requests out. And then you can say, okay, well, maybe Portland doesn't want Ben Simmons, but you can flip him Ben Simmons to a third team, take some of those assets, flip them to Portland. You can sort of um, negotiate all of that at the same time. If you have to make these as two separate transactions and as two transactions that might be a month, two months, even six months apart, that's where it becomes a little less clear, a little more dangerous, uh, risky uh, to try to commit to one of those two paths. That is probably the biggest fear if you're a Sixers fan looking to see how this plays out, I think that's a very real fear because quite frankly, I don't think Rich Paul and Ben Simmons are going to sit idly by and let, let them be in trade talks for nine months. There's all kinds of reporting, a lot from Jason Dumas about Ben Simmons and his desires and his desire to leave and to go to very specific places. That is the biggest threat, I think, right now to uh, to the path the Sixers are taking. But it's it, it will be a fascinating couple of months because that will be uh, that is a real threat for sure, for sure. I mean, this is quite a tightrope that they're on yeah, right now. it though. is. It because is. I, I completely understand shooting for the moon. Because Dame, Dame Lillard, if you get him, you, like we, we said this on the one on the pod a couple weeks ago, absolute title contender. Like, no no bones about it. Him and Embiid, 
I mean, honestly, the two of us can be in the rotation. It's fine. Well, they'll figure the rest of that out. And that the hardest, you know, and I think that goes to the Daryl Morey, Sam Hinkey ethos of, you know, get the stars first. And then the, uh, the rest of the roster, we can figure out after that. Um, that's, that's one great outcome, but man, like, you know, you talked about the, some of the reporting, you can see that the circus is coming. If, uh, if this deal is not completed by the end of the summer. So, that's that's what I mean. Like if Dame Lillard goes back to Portland and wants to play, you know, wants to see, you know, if Chauncey Billups can turn it around, there are some very bad outcomes for the Sixers in yep. terms of awkwardness and and all of those things. And that's that's kind of where we're at. The, the uh, this is a high variance off season. I yeah, would put it that for sure, way for sure. Based on this, uh, based on this one potential trade, the Sixers, Sixers off season is is shooting more threes and twos. Yeah. yeah, look, and a couple of podcasts ago, maybe it was just a pod, podcast ago, I don't remember, but we said, look, we were really surprised by how little Rich Paul has played into this offseason so far. We thought they would be more aggressive in steering the the direction of it, uh, of the Simmons trade talks. Well, if Jason Dumas is right, and Jason Dumas has been right on a, a bunch of things Sixers related here over the last year, if he is right in his reporting, then we could be approaching that point. And that would be, uh, that would, like you said, tightrope walking for sure, for sure. Yeah, and but like I said, the last one too. I mean, at some point, Ben Simmons, you don't have the leverage like that other people do. You know, you you want to play for the California teams? Well, the LA teams won't have you. So at that salary, so that's yeah. I don't. They just like they actually they actually can't bring you in. So that's tough. Um, and then Golden State, if they don't want you, then I don't know. Sacramento's in California. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that's why the LA teams are a weird one to leak. Because like, how's that going to create leverage? Everyone knows that they they can't pull off. A They're trade. done. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, so that yeah, his his list. If he has a list, which I'm sure he does, it would have to expand. And like I said, I think the end result is a maybe he doesn't want to go go to Portland. Fine. The end result There's, is uh, a three team Port- trade where you relay some assets. Uh, but and Portland's a great city, by the way. I, would, I don't think Portland should be too far down if you want to be Mr. West Coast because there's a lot of there's a lot of smaller markets in oh, you know, for sure. the, middle, the middle of the country that for sure. I'm sure would love to have you. <laughs> I think I think Ben is probably more like a he's got a three or four or five team destination list. The problem is Miami's not getting you, LA teams aren't getting you, Brooklyn's not getting you. So like you're like, gonna have like to expand. Philadelphia is the biggest market that you can play in, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But his coach and his star teammate were honest uh, at the end of the season. So, dude, I by the way, and I, I think I think we made somewhat of a big deal about that at that point. I really think the closing press conference from those two played a huge deal. <laughs> like, I, I think, so well. yep. I think right, right or wrong, you want to say that they were just being honest, and they they were just being honest after Ben had a terrible series. But I, I would not be surprised if that played. A massive of uh, impact in how Ben Simmons is feeling this offseason. For sure. For sure. All right. Uh, we will, I'm at the head out to Vegas. We will see what comes up next here in free agency. See what happens with the Dame Lillard situation. But thank you, Rich, for jumping on. And we will talk to you soon. See you, man.